The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM.
good afternoon. You are listening to Ice Topica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Simon Tishko, and on today's Isotopica, we shall be experimenting with sine waves, hidden messages, mind manipulation, various sounds, past life regression, the sounds of Geiger counters playing the sounds of radiation in the thunderstorm at Chernobyl not long after the reactor number one exploded back in the early 80s and I hope we enjoy listening to it it's actually a lot of preparation work for something I'm hoping to do an extra resonance extra at some point in the future which will be a nine hour mind control broadcast um, we're working on the legal implications of this at the moment um, early experiments with the technology we're working with have found that prolonged exposure to the sounds which are woven into the oral spectrum can produce physical emotional, visual and auditory hallucinations, that's the good part. Um, I won't go into too much detail about that now, but if you do want to find details of that, you may be able to find something on my website, being www.theculture.net, where you can find previous episodes of Isotopica and all things wider fine art practice, Simon Tishko, the culture.net, etc., 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 etc. So, without too much of a further ado, even though it's been a week with lots and lots of news, I suggest we settle back and listen to the tones and the sine waves and the sound and the manipulation subliminal, the liminal, let's enjoy today's edition of Ice Topica. of a first regression. A very intelligent but sceptical subject has been told to go back before her birth to find a memory in the vastness of time. These are her first words. What's the matter? What's your name? Regression really does exist, whatever its explanation may be. 
Perhaps one person in every four can take on the personality and background of a character from the past and can apparently recreate an existence about which they know absolutely nothing. They haven't the remotest idea even of the name until they hear it emerge from their own helpless lips. Sue Atkins, who was heard in the first extract, regressed to two main characters, both of them male. The first was Charlie, a gutter-sharp, blasphemous urchin at the beginning of the 20th century. Here's Charlie with some cynical comments as he describes how he used to beg outside the church. I don't beg when they're going in, it's no good. When do you beg? When they're coming out. When they're coming out. Because the vicar's watching them, you see, when they're coming out. Oh, I see. And they're all going back to their gooses and their, their chickens and things. The vicar's going back to his goose. What type of church is it? Oh, it's just a church. It smells inside and it smells outside and it's got bodies all around it. What religion? It's just a church. It's got bodies all around it. It's planted in the middle of bodies. You've got to walk through dead bodies to get in. And then they give you bits of somebody's dead body if you're old enough. And then you've got to walk out through dead bodies. And then they say, I am the resurrection and the life. And it seems to me a load of... Charlie, who was badly crippled, was taken to the workhouse when his mother died. Here, aged about 12, he was burned to death when the floor of the children's sleeping room caught fire as they were cooking a dead sparrow over a pile of embers. Have you got any beds in that room? Well, we got, um... Well, sinks were strong. Uh, big, big bags were Doesn't the floor go away when you put that up coals on it? Oh, yeah, but we're all fall through into the basement. <laughs> all of us in the dead spot. Hey, pull up the fire. The fire's big. The fire's getting bigger, sir. It's one. Yeah. Is the door locked? She locks it in. No, she wouldn't get us in the morning. She didn't lock us in. <laughs> and it's night now, is it? She'll sit in I think. She's going to see the fire, you know, because it's going to show under the door. She's going to see the fire, you know. She will. She'll see it. If you put put the mattress on it, it put it up. Put the mattress on it. Put the other one on it. Put more on it. Get out of the way then. After sleep, after sleep, after sleep, sleep boy, sleep boy, sleep boy, after sleep, after sleep. Sue Atkins' other character, Anthony Charles Bennett, was the opposite of Charlie in every way. He was born about 1640 into a wealthy Catholic family in East Anglia. Even as a small boy, he was deeply pious and described with delight how their priest said mass secretly in the middle of the night. Anthony was completely humorless, but always obedient and anxious to please everyone. Here he is at 12. How does your father feel about Parliament? My father says, King is a king for once and forever. And God made kings. And God didn't make protection. He says Parliament is repressive and that 
Anthony went to Rome to become a Jesuit. But instead of returning to England as he'd hoped, he was sent to France. Even if he was not happy there, he still showed the same dedicated obedience. Do you like living in France? I must like it if God sent it. Are you glad you became a priest? Yes. You have no regrets? Oh, no. Not when you see your brothers with their families and children. I wish his grace there. In his late 30s, Father Anthony returned to England, but taken to the age of 43, he had apparently had a severe stroke and was dying. Do you feel, Father, that you will ever recover and say Mass again? No. Have you any fears about the future? No. What do you think will happen to you? God will take me. Will I pray God will take me. Where will he take you? Ten. And do you think that will be the end of it? Oh, no. In the beginning. Not afraid at all. No. I believe in God. Do you believe that you'll ever come back to this earth? No, oh, I never thought about it. Isn't it worth thinking of? I'm tired of this earth. Why are you tired of this earth? That's a weird thing. What do you find so worrisome, Father? I'm quarrelling and fighting. Who are we? Father Anthony? Who are we? Messengers. Messengers from where? I have a lot of messengers now. Where from? Especially in the night when I can't sleep. successful business executive, was extremely surprised to find himself talking as Stephen Garrett, a drunken layabout in Dublin about 1900. This is Stephen, aged 20. 
What's the first real shop you come to that's selling something? It's got a... Uh, it's a... Uh, that's a tea shop. A tea shop? So it's a, no, it's not a stupid little Subjects' voices do not usually change significantly under hypnosis. It's interesting to see how Michael's American speech takes on an Irish accent when he becomes Stephen. This is Michael's normal speaking voice. My father's family, as the name suggests, has its roots in Ireland, but uh, the other side of my family is German in its ancestry. And here's Stephen making excuses for not working. Do you work there, Stephen? desperately short of food. But when things became too bad, he went to a charity soup kitchen. Where, where are you going to, to get to something to eat? Uh, you've got uh, O'Connor Street and then up the hill on the left. And there's the, uh, there's a place there, these uh, English, English people here, give you some meat. most important. This is the teenage Stephen talking about poutine. That's a and gave every sign of suffering from a terrible hangover. He was asked where he was. It's an empty place. An empty place. It's just a pair of boards. 
session he returned to the desperate stuff that he'd mentioned and there's a there's another stuff you can make that's uh, they make it uh, you can they make it right here you mix it mix stuff up but that's oh that's desperate stuff you get a moth on you the next day there's something awful they say with Cotine, you still wake up drunk in the morning. Oh, that's fine. It's all right with me. Well... It's the, for the other stuff, it's the moth you get on there. Oh. What color is the other stuff? Uh, pink. It's pink at the end of it. It's white, it's red, and later on it's pink. But it does you no good, that. What, what do you mean, Steve? What's it do to you? Oh, you can't get anything past your tongue down your throat. The next day, or the, when you got it, you get a tongue, tongue as, as, as big as your nose. In one of his rare flashes of clarity, Stephen was asked about the conditions in Ireland. This is how he described the situation there in 1900. and shock, he was taken to the police station. As the end drew near, he suddenly went quiet. Where are you, Steve? 
hypnobrenum is a typical Lancashire housewife, but under hypnosis she consistently takes on the personality of Nell Gwynne, the 17th century actress and mistress of Charles II. The real Nell spent her childhood in the squalid slums around Drury Lane in London. This is how Edna recreates the five-year-old Nell. What's your father's name? Thomas. And what does he do? He's, he's, he's not doing nothing now. And what did he used to do? My daddy told me he was a soldier. Was he? Was he? Was he a good soldier? He was a... a captain. Was he? A soldier man. But he didn't get killed. He didn't get killed? Because he come home, so he didn't get killed. For the next few years, the real Nell ran wild about the alleys growing coarse and obscene. One contemporary reported that she hawked fish to help the family income. This is how Edna reacted when told to come to the age of seven. You're now seven years old. Where are you now? I'm selling bleeding fishes. <laughs> How much do you charge? Threepence. You don't sell many at threepence. Fresh errands, threepence. Thank you, Heather. Stink those errands. Stick them away from here. They're smelling the place out. Do you want a fresh errand, lady? Have a fresh Yes, they're fresh. I've just chopped the bleeding head off that one. She bought a bleeding errand. Not she bought an errand for three pennies. At 15, Nell went on the stage. Pepys says she was brilliant in comedy and particularly in the scurrilous epilogues that ended every play. This incident took place after Nell had left the stage to become the king's mistress. What do they name this play? The Empress Wife. Oh, it's that one, is it? Now, in that play, see, they have a daughter. And it's, they're trying to get her to be married to somebody. And she don't want to be married to him. And what's her name? Sadria. Yeah. That's the name of the daughter, Sadria. And that's what I used to write. But people oh. said, I was no good in it. Why? Because it's a tragedy. Oh, and don't you like playing tragedy? And I'm no good in tragedy because when I'm they see me dying on stage, yeah. I have to be done. In Edna's regressions, one of the names that crops up most frequently is that of Samuel Pepys, whom she always calls Pippi. In his diary, Pepys describes his passion for the actress Mary Nip. On October the 5th, 1667, he writes, Going to the King's Theatre met with Nip, and she took us up into the changing rooms, where Nell was dressing herself and was all unready, and is very pretty. I'm sorry for Pippi later. Why? Well, his it's, it's, it's wife's failing. Oh, I see. I don't think there's anything matter with her. But he says she's, she's ailing. But, uh, well, has he got his eyes on anybody? Pip. 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 On stage. Yeah, but what's the whole name? I don't know. We call him Madam. Mistress Kip, Madam Kip. And he likes her, does he? He's liked her for a bit now. Mm. And you can't remember her name? 
he came into the when when I was younger yeah. and I was on stage. Once came in, I had a little room, you know, where I used to change. And he once came in and caught me in my shoes. That was nice for him. You were nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were looking for her then. Once, Edna was told quite at random to come to the age of 35. This would have been 1685, the year in which Charles II died. Though the waking Edna, of course, had no idea of this. Where are you now? You seem very unhappy. What's the matter? I don't know what I'm going to do. Why not? I don't know what I'm going to do. Why? What's the matter? What's the matter, Mel? I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, what's the matter that's caused you to be upset? We might be upset. Charles? Charles? Well, Nobody can help. Of well, course what? we can help. Why not? Because Charlie's died. But when did he die? About not around a long time. Oh, no king now. Kings. Oh dear. I could have been that What did he die of? Finally, Edna was told to come to the end of Nell's life. The real Eleanor Gwynne died in 1687, partially paralyzed. Edna's memory seems to go back to the days on the stage when Mistress Nellie would come to the footlights to speak the closing lines. Where are you now? Where are you? And what's the matter? What's the matter? Oh, Why? What's happened? Do you, do you think it's time? Time what? It's time to stop laughing at me.
have been listening to I Stop Girl again here on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Simon Tishko and I hope you have enjoyed today's sine waves, test tones, past life regressions and other topics that we have spun about on today's cultural detour as we kind of like to think of our show. Here on I Stop Girl, 104.4 FM. Um, if you want details, you'd like to contact me or maybe send me some money or a bunch of flowers, an offer of a holiday in the country, a food parcel, a demonstration tape recorded in your home recording studio, then you can do so by contacting us via our website, being www.theculture.net. I've been experimenting wildly with the interface and we shall be relaunching the website at some point in the near future. Um, But meanwhile, you can stumble about it. Um, There's so much unlinked and stuff erratically linked that it's quite an adventure even for us as we're designing it to go into that place. But there you go. Meanwhile, I suggest you keep your ears and mind firmly locked to the various distribution versions of Resonance 104.4 FM and extra.resonance.fm, our sister station, going for longer, more experimental, more left field, deeply soothing kind of radio. So once again, hashtag Icetopka, www.thecoach.net, me, Simon Tishko, signing off for another seven days. Keep the feedback coming, keep listening. This is me saying goodbye for now.